0: Disaster of that kind in, uh, in U.S. history, uh, and uh, we need to be in prayer for those people uh, there in California uh, with the uh, the loss of lives, and um, uh, it's just it's a terrible thing. And uh, I'm praying with everything we got that's happening that somewhere along the line people will realize. That this is just not coincidence. All of these things. There is another hurricane that's formed, and it's right. The last I heard, it was headed towards Ireland. Uh, That is very unusual, very, very. Uh, And um, there is um, so much that's going on. That I hope and pray that somewhere along the way, that it will cause more people to say, "Hey." You know, something's going on here that's different, and uh, they um, will start thinking about the Lord and uh, having him in their life. Um, Brother Ronnie, uh, he uh, mentioned about service tonight at 6 o'clock, but he failed to tell y'all he's going to be the one preaching tonight, so uh, uh, he'll, he'll be preaching. So um, uh, come back. Come um, back. Uh, Tonight for Sunday night service, and uh, see what God is going to do this evening. Praise the Lord, Amen. We are going to um, be in um, um, the seventh message in the series uh, on talking about the seven churches in Revelation, and uh, we're getting close to the end. Next week, if the Lord permits, uh, we will. uh, get to the uh, the last one, and uh, but today uh, we're going to be talking about the church in Philadelphia, uh, and uh, the church with the open door. That's what I've entitled this message: Philadelphia, the church with the open door. Now, when I say Philadelphia, we're not talking about the United States, huh? <laughs> Amen. But um, uh, there in uh, in Asia. Minor uh, our scripture reference today is Revelation the third chapter, and we're going to be reading verses seven through thirteen. Revelation chapter three verses seven through thirteen. And let's see what the word of God um, uh, says today. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things says he who is holy. He who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father God, as we come this evening, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for the privilege we have to worship Together, We thank you for your word today. We ask God that you will uh, anoint us and help us to deliver the message that you placed upon my heart. And I pray God that each and every one will be touched and will be blessed today. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Philadelphia, the church with the open door. Now, the city of Philadelphia was 28 miles southeast of Sardis. It was located in an area noted for its agricultural products, but affected with earthquakes which destroyed the city several times. The last one before the writing of this letter in A.D. 37, there was a tremendous earthquake there. Philadelphia housed five. Now we, several of the uh, the churches we talked about, I made reference that they had big temples to uh, uh, pagan gods, but the city of Philadelphia had five pagan temples: Artemis. Uh, Helios, Zeus, Dionysus, and Aphrodite. They all were big temples there. But there also was a major Jewish synagogue in Philadelphia with a huge Jewish community. And according to many commentators of the word, the Jewish Christians in Philadelphia had been cast out or excommunicated from the synagogue because they their open belief in Jesus as the Messiah. Those Jewish believers were no doubt fought hard against by the hardline Jews in that synagogue. Uh, <coughs> we've talked a lot about the Romans and their persecution of Christians, Nero and various things. I think it's important to understand and note that the first persecution of Christians came from the Jews. Amen. Uh, It was the Jews under the leadership of a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus who stoned Stephen to death. Amen. And uh, if you remember one of the, uh, the blind man that Jesus healed while Jesus was still uh, before he was crucified that blind man was so happy because he could see and which I could you know uh, I mean th- stop and think about it if you had spent your whole life totally in the dark and here comes some along a body along and heal you where you could see you're going to be ecstatic about it you're going you're to talk about it and the Bible tells us in in, in John's Gospel that uh, the Jews cast him out of that synagogue because of his testimony about Jesus healing him. Uh, so I will say that to bring back what is something I told you a few weeks ago that um, uh, even though Christianity came from Judaism. Today, the Jewish faith today is just another false religion because they rejected Christ as the Messiah. And there's a lot of theories and talk about, you know, you know the purpose of the tribulation. But let me, I want to point out and make something clear that the the, the final seven-year period on this earth of the tribulation is, is going to be happening, amen, to make those hard-line Jews to break, come to their knees, and see that Jesus is the Messiah. And they're going to do it. According to the Word of God, it's going to happen. They're going to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. So, this this church in uh, in the city of Philadelphia, the Philadelphian Church, uh, they were they they were small in number. Uh, they um and uh they they had their struggles and um and they had to uh, really go through uh, different all kinds of battles, kind of like what you and I have to go through today. But there's something about the church in Philadelphia that we haven't said in any of the churches that we've talked about prior. If you recall, Jesus talked about all of them, says, I know your works, and he would give some good things that he'd done. But every one of them, go back and look, every one of them had a nevertheless. But Philadelphia did not have a nevertheless. Hallelujah. Amen. There was nothing found, amen, within this church that caused Jesus to rebuke them for anything. It kind of lets me know that even though you hear here today, all those naysayers out there, To say it's impossible to live pleasing to God in this world. Let me tell you something. Jesus never asked nobody to do anything impossible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's nothing. Hallelujah. And you can live for God in this world. It's a matter, like the song, you got to have the want to. Hallelujah. You got to have the want to. If you want to live for God, you can live for God, but we got to have the want to. Jesus was well pleased with this Philadelphian church. We're going. There's, there's no way that I can bring everything out because this, and and, and I'm preaching through this, and we're not taking uh, the time to teach it, so we can't get exhaustive in it. But I want to talk just a little bit about this church and see how where it places in the events of the end time. The first thing I want to talk about is the open door. The open door. My Lord. Christ gave the Philadelphian church a special invitation which had not been given to any of the previous churches. There's I mean we're living in a world that there are churches just about on every corner look at look at how many gospel radio stations they are i mean you can you can go anywhere in the time today even on t v they got they got t v stations on on cable that's totally what what man calls christian anyway hallelujah amen so I mean there's no shortage of that. But I'm here to declare to you that um, Jesus is not looking for um, a maglamation of different flavors of churches. He's looking for a bride. Hallelujah. And I preach it a little bit different than what you may hear heard it preached somewhere else. I don't believe that, uh, and I do not preach that uh, the, uh, the churches are going up when Jesus comes back. I believe the bride is going up. Hallelujah. You see, the theology that I relate to, that is, you've got two Adams. Come on. You had the first Adam. And then who's the second Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. And if you remember, where did the first Adam get his bride? Where did the first Adam get his... Uh, it's, it's not a trick question. From his side. From his, God put a deep sleep on him, pulled out a rib. We all know that story. And the bride come out of the body of the first Adam. I declare unto you, (laughs) glory to God, that all these flavors and all these different types today and different ones and these place churches on every corner, amen, that you can hear about anything that you want to hear talked about and preached about and feel good about. The second Adam, hallelujah, Jesus Christ, his bride, just like the first, is coming out from him. The bride will come out. Of a so-called church. Hallelujah. And if you want to be called up, then you better separate yourself from everybody else that's calling himself Christian. We don't we don't like to think about that. We don't like to talk like that. But Everybody, everybody that calls themselves Christian is not going up when Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's reserved for only a few. Brother Hale used to say it all the time. he quoted quote that scripture all the time. He said, praise God. He said, Jesus said, fear not, little flock. Hallelujah. Amen, God is looking for a church without spot and blemish, if you please, He's looking for a Philadelphian church. If you want to identify the church that's going to be raptured, I want you need to go back and read Amen everything through here about this Philadelphian church it's the only one of all the rest that Jesus found no. and he gave this church a special invitation that he did not give any of the other churches he gave them a special invitation if you remember our opening text in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8 we're going to read that again he said I know your works now those of you that's been listening to this like I said he he's, he's said that before to the other churches. I know your works. See, I have set before you, not Thyatira, not Ephesus. Come on. He's talking directly to the Philadelphian church. I have set before you an open door. Glory, And no one can shut it. High. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Why is this? He said, For you have a little strength. There again. And we're going to, if I got time, I'm going I'm to bring it out a little, little plainer. You have a little strength, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I've got a door standing open for you. This open door represents access, church. Hey. And you go to a building, and you see the door of that building is open, you can say, I've got access. I can enter in because of that open door. It's not closed, it's not locked, it's not barred, but it's standing open. This door represents access to all the benefits of being united with Christ as his bride. Glory to God. All the benefits, being united with Jesus as his bride, this is given for keeping his word and not Denying his name, if he required it of them, he's going to require it of you hallelujah, Jesus said, If you love me, what keep my commandments, hallelujah. We have got to keep his word. We have got to do what the book says. We cannot ignore it. We cannot scratch it out. We cannot say, well, that's antiquated. Amen. Or, that's old fogy stuff. But the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. And if you want to be called up when the rapture comes, you have got to have kept the word of God. also you can't deny his name oh I would never deny the name of Jesus what about what about how you live in the world denying the name of Jesus is not what a lot of people think But if I profess myself to be a child of the king, but I don't live in this world and try to live pleasing to him, I am denying his name. I'm denying his name. Just as sure if I would stand up and make a statement, I ain't going to have no part in that Jesus' name stuff. We, We understand that. But a lot of people don't understand That Jesus watches our daily living. Hallelujah. Because you can deny his name in your your daily living. Now, I love this open door. Representing access. Something that he has given. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 6. Amen. It says, Blessed... Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's an open door. That's an open door. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. oh glory that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us
1: somebody say
0: accepted in the beloved that's an open door you hear me that's an open door there's been a few things back through my life that I maybe wanted to be a part of but I wouldn't accept it I remember I remember as a child as a kid there's a few things I tried out for that I wouldn't I wouldn't accept it but the grace of Jesus Christ come on somebody the grace of Jesus Christ has enabled me to where God has given me an open door where I am accepted in the beloved. And that is just as much for you as it is for me. The only requirements are we got to keep his word and not deny his name. Come on. We've got to keep his word and not deny his name. I, while I'm in Ephesians, let's go to the second chapter of Ephesians, read verses four and uh through seven and, 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 and give us a little bit more insight in this. But God. <laughs> who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has, which he loved us. Amen. I think there's something wrong with your relationship if you can shout with a fast song and the organ being pumped, but you can't shout over that right there. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, you ever looked in the mirror, you ever looked in the mirror and said, "Why did God love me?" He loved me before I loved him. hallelujah. He cared for me before I cared for him. Let me finish reading this even when we were dead in trespasses, <laughs> amen, that's what I said, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lord, do you think this is all there is to it? Lord. That in the ages to come, Way out there, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. My, 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 when you think about what all God has done already, Let me tell you something. He ain't begin yet to pull stuff out of his bag of good things. Hallelujah. He ain't begin to start. Amen. Hallelujah. Because if you stay true to God and you keep his name to the end, there's going to come a day when you walk into those streets, Jesus is going to look at one of them angels and say, Open up my heavenly vault. (laughs) break out that stuff that ain't nobody ever seen. Didn't he say he's going to give you a name and nobody knows? Woo! Hallelujah! Amen! He's going to break out that vault and he's going to begin to show the exceeding riches of his grace. One writer one writer put it like this I have not seen ears have not heard, neither has it entered the hearts of man, the things that God has gotten in store. <laughs> Woo, my, 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 my. It ain't begin. It, 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 we ain't, we ain't scratched the surface, Church. He's opened a door, and in that open door, he says, "I've opened it and can't nobody shut it." Anybody in this world ever had an issue with you and they wanted just to keep you blocked out? There might be some family members just want to block you out of the family. I say, "I'm sorry." I was born prudent and I will always be a prudent whether you like it or not. Hello, somebody, but Jesus says, "I've opened up a door that no man can shut. Whoever comes along that don't like you, don't care much for you. It might make them mad as old wet hen, but ain't nothing they can do about it. Hallelujah. There's not anything that no one can do about it. If he opens that door for you, can't nobody shut it. My, my, my. Look at somebody and tell them, thank God for the open door. Hallelujah. I want to I go ahead and I want to talk about the three facts of Christ. about himself that I call the three facts of Christ. If you go back and look at the scripture, uh, let, me, let me look again and see. Uh, uh, the, uh, right right uh, at the seventh verse, it said, These things says he who is holy. That's the first fact about Christ. He's holy. He's holy. Hallelujah. That's the Greek word hegeos. Hegios. You want to know what it means? All right, I'll tell you. <laughs> Set apart. Sacred. Concentrated. The word is also translated in other passages as saint. Some places in the King James where Hagios is used, the word holy is there. But other places it's saint. Now this kind of gets down to some things that God requires of his people the same thing that he required of the philadelphian church that made him so in love with them and content with them first corinthians chapter one and verse two i don't i don't think they have that one but i'm going to read it it says unto the church of god which is at corinth to them that are sanctified in christ jesus Called to be saints. Called to be saints. Well, that word saints right there in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, in the Greek, you can get you a Strong's concordance to look it up. It's Hegios. So when he said you are called to be saints, God has called you to be holy. He's called you to be set apart. He's called you to be uh, sacred, consecrated unto Him. That's what we're called to. That's what He's called us to, church. I don't understand why sometimes people in the church fight so hard to fit in when Jesus died So you would stick out. Well, I don't want to be no fifth wheel. If you don't want to be a fifth wheel, don't ride on the world's wagon. I'm sorry to tell you, as soon as you walked in that door, you were marked. Come on. You were marked. Ah, oh, they're one of those. One of them. Hallelujah. Jesus identified himself as he who is holy. And that kind of brings me back to that other verse where he said, Be ye holy as I am holy. So, The Bible calls all believers saints. Believers are saints in the sense that they have been given a new heart by God, a heart that is renewed and recreated in righteousness and true holiness. Believers are saints in the sense that they are set apart and consecrated for the work of Jesus Christ on this earth. God says the church is to be two things salt and light. Some people have misconstrued that as sugar and cotton candy. Come on, somebody. You cannot. You cannot, have an effect on people in the world. By falling right in the same way that they did. Hallelujah. I'm not going to lead nobody to Christ. By walking into a beer tavern with a drunk and sitting down at the table. And ordering a screwdriver and say you know and drink with him. God has called us to be saints. And I told you what that word means. It is clear by this passage and many other similars similar ones in the New Testament that Christians are to be holy in like manner as Christ. Saints are not some group of venerated and dead people whom we pray for help. <coughs> the Catholic Church or well, they decide the, the popes they decide some of the uh, some of those who have died. You know, we're going to turn them into a saint. We're going to venerate them and make them a saint, and then people in the Catholic Church will start praying to them. I mean, hey, I I I admired the work of Mother Teresa. I admired her work. She, uh, what is, what is that uh, big? Um, Award that different ones get in various things. Um, Nobel Prize. She she got she she won the Nobel Prize for her the work that she did, and with that with that prize come a check for a million dollars. And do you know that she signed that over? And she gave it to the orphanages and the children around the world that she worked to. I admire that. But just because the Pope says, well, I've venerated her and I've made her a saint, that don't mean I'm going to get over here at a picture of Mother Teresa and kneel down and pray to her. And I'm not trying to be mean, but if you do that, you're committing idolatry. You're committing idolatry. And she's not I used I just used her name because I know everybody would wouldn't would know her. But they, they got many that they venerated and turned into into saints. That's not how you become a saint. Hallelujah. It's not how so let, i got. I got to move on. I'm talking about the three facts of Christ. He said, this is he who that is holy. Then he said, I'm he who is true. Now, I know Sister Darling's going to like this one. Because I've heard her make this statement. But that word true, alethes, In the Greek, the first word that comes up is real. Watch out if you're going to call yourself a Christian. Christian meaning being Christ-like. Now we done brought it He said he's holy. Now he says, I'm he who's true. I'm he who's real. Hallelujah. He's a real thing. He's even better than Coke if professed to be the real thing then changed. He ain't never changed. <laughs> and it didn't work for Coke and they changed back. Some of you old enough to remember that. <coughs> I'm he who is true. And remember, I done brought out every and I let me tell you something. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop that spirit right now. I, I I've heard a few people in my time say it saying it's impossible to be like Christ, you are dead wrong. You, you, you're you going against what Scripture says. I cannot be like God the Father, but I can be like the Son. And he said, I'm he who is real. Another word for that is translated honest. Valid. And then the last one is not least. Genuine. I am he who is genuine. Don't you think it's time that some people in the church started being genuine? Don't you think it's time that people in the church started being real? Don't put on airs. Don't make glad to be something that you are. Just be honest with yourself and God and one another. And if, if what you are don't please God, you might not be what you need to be or want to be, but just praise God you're not what you used to be. I'm not telling you that I'm everything that I want to be, that I line up with everything this Philadelphia church is, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I've told tales before, and I, if you should have been around, if you wanted to hear, because I ain't going to repeat it. The issues I used to have with my anger. Hallelujah! I'm not everything that I'm striving for. But it's been a day or two since I got some answers to Darlene that I jumped out of the car at the traffic light and started walking down the road and left her in the car sitting there in the middle of the road. And God did the best thing in the world he could do to take me out behind the woodshed and whoop my butt for that. He sent Brother Bobby after me and Brother Bobby wasn't even a brother at the time. Boy, that was embarrassing. So don't let Don't let the devil get your goat because you're you're not everything you feel like that you want to be. Just praise God that you're not what you used to be. God has brought us all a long way. We still got some worry to go, but God, as long as we follow the way that he is leading, we ain't got nothing to worry about. Come on, give him praise for that. When Christ... When Christ identified Himself to the Philadelphian Church as the One who is true, He was asserting Himself to be the real deal. He was no imitation. Amen. I do not like imitation. Nothing. Hallelujah. Sometimes I get mixed up at the grocery store, and I don't, I don't get what I intend to get. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'll mess up and i'll get I get the wrong thing on cheese i'll I'll pick up that imitation stuff, but when I realize that, I'll leave it for Sister Dolly indeed I don't want it <laughs> She said that's good that's the only way she can get anything to eat out of the house <laughs> when he said i'm am he that is true." <laughs> He said he's the genuine article. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Give him praise for that. Hallelujah. I got one more thing to share, then I'm going to close. I'm talking about the three facts of Christ that he identified with this church. He's, he said that he was the one who is holy, he was the one who is true and then he who has the key of David. The key of David. What in the world did Jesus mean by that? The phrase key of David is symbolical representing leadership, government, and authority. In Jewish culture, culture, the governor of the household would wear the key to the house over his shoulder. You look that up, you'll find that he would have a long string or something that would have the key to the house, and he would wire that across the shoulder, enabling him to open and close all doors of the house. <laughs> think about this now. Let, let your spiritual mind think about this. The key hung across and over his shoulder. And he also gave him access to all the wealth and assets of the house. Jesus says, I am I hold the key of David. You see, that's also a, a messianic thing. He was the Messiah. He came from the lineage of David, can you say, ma'am? The best scripture, and there's others I could give to you, is Isaiah nine and six. Hallelujah. I can't remember if I had that I'll give that to y'all to put up or not. Isaiah nine and six. Well, everybody knows it anyway. It's sad that the only time we we read it is at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his, what? Shoulder. He said he had the key of David, and the governor of the house would wear that around his shoulder, giving him access. (coughs) The government would be upon his shoulder. Do you know how important it is for you to be walking with Jesus today? If you're walking with Jesus, he's the governor. The government's upon his shoulder. That means he's got access to things you don't have access to. I can't remember which I can't remember which um congressman it was. But there was a congressman made made a trip to a to another country, and uh, he inv- he had invited somebody else to come along with him. That uh, was part of some organization. I, I don't remember all the details, uh, but he 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 didn't have anything to do with government. He didn't have any kind of authority. And uh, when when that congressman stepped down off the plane and everybody else was coming down, this one man who was personally invited, remember how I opened up? Jesus says, I've opened, I've given you an invita- invitation. I've got an open door for you. Remember that? This congressman stepped down off the plane and this guy who had no authority... Nobody knew his name, including me telling this story. I can't remember it. The people opened up the doors to the limousine, and they started to issue the congressman to the limousine, limousine, and one of them stopped this other guy, was not going to let him in the limousine to go on. He was going to have to wait and come some other... And the congressman, when he noticed it, he stopped. He turned around. He said, "Uh, let him come on. He's with me. And that man, who was insignificant, no authority, was issued right on that red carpet into the limousine and sat down because he was with the one in charge. Jesus is holding the key of David. He's got the government on his shoulder, brother. <laughs> you know, the devil tried to dispute God over the body of Moses. You remember that scripture. I know one of these days when we get to go to step in glory, and you and me both, Probably getting ready to step on, take that first step on the street to go. I'm sure that old devil is going to be somewhere around, trying to stop me. So, uh, uh-uh, I got the lowdown on this guy. Jesus is going to be right there and say, "Let him come on; he's with me." I can't get there because I got a name. I can't get there just because nobody knows me. I have no importance. Oh, do you can't you feel that? Don't you understand that? But I'm walking with Jesus. I've got an open door. There's been an invitation, to give me. And all those riches and glory for the ages to come. I'm going to be able to take part of it. Because Jesus is going to be right there with the government on his shoulder saying, Come on. He's with me. Come on. She's with me. Stand to your knees. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you're not sure today that you're walking with the Lord, And you want to be able, Jesus, to say about you one day, let them on in there with me. You can get that taken care of today. All you got to do is come to him. Kneel and repent. Give yourself to him. He's already promised in his word, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. The altar is opened.